offering a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Well, sisters, we have a very special episode this week. We do have a special episode with a very special guest. That's right. Riley, would you like to introduce our guest? Our guest this week is Rochelle from our local uh, domestic abuse shelter here in Huntington Branches. And Rochelle, would you tell us a little bit about what you do and... Of course. Um, I'm very excited to be here. I am the Youth Services Coordinator at Branches Domestic Violence Shelter, um, and part of my job is to go around to middle schools and high schools in the counties that Branches serves and do presentations on dating violence awareness, kind of just talk about safe dating, ways to date safely, ways to recognize abusive relationships, and what to do when teens find themselves in one. That's really great. Yeah. I think that's a that's a hugely important service that you're doing for our community. And we thought that this would fit really well into what we try to do sometimes on our podcast. Sometimes we talk about silly stuff like toys and gadgets of the 90s <laughs> and, scrunchies. and acne <laughs> scrunchies. and scrunchies. There's lots of scrunchy talk. But we try to, you know, hit some of the more serious things because just because you're a teenager doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't affect you. It's not like... Um, all the other things that happen to you the rest of your life don't start until you're officially an adult. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I think this will be great for our listeners, for especially our teen listeners, which mm-hmm. parent listeners. Yes, for our parent listeners yeah. as well. Is that she was throwing that back at me, parent? <laughs> <laughs> you're a parent. <laughs> I know. Um, and I think it's really interesting too for Tay and I because when I think back to when I was in middle school and high school, I cannot remember a, cer- a single talk like this that we were given um or even like in health class mm-hmm. awareness of it right yeah. uh, so i think that this is such an important topic and it always has been but it's good that now it's, it's being given time and you know the attention that it deserves so um how did you start doing that rochelle well um i started at branches at a part-time position kind of just keeping an eye in the office being the staff that's at the shelter during evening and midnight hours um, and I just kind of happened upon that I wasn't employed and I was really looking for a job and one of my friends was the case manager at the time and so she um, helped me get the part-time position and then we were able to receive the funding to create this youth services coordinator position and so we just kind of took it from there and um, that was about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and so I just kind of I'm still kind of weeding my way through and learning what all I can do with this position, but started going into high schools. I started going to high schools in Cabell County and then Mm kind of branched out to the other counties that we serve, which are Mason, Putnam, Lincoln, and Wayne as well. Um, And I just, as whatever schools would let me in and come talk to their kids, I would gladly go and give a five-minute talk if that's all they were able to give me because school schedules can be so tight, Mm -hmm. but whatever I was able to do, I would go do it. That's awesome. Yeah. Are, are schools generally like excited to have you come talk? Are they receptive to it? Or is there like an education barrier where you have to kind of get them to understand why this is important? Kind of both. Um, some schools definitely understand that there's a need and understand how serious of an issue it is. Um, some schools, it's more of an issue than in others. Uh, some schools, I kind of need to sit down with the health teachers, the principals, and kind of just educate them on why it's such an issue and go through kind of all the statistics and say this is why you need someone and 
just listening to a health teacher that those kids listen to every day, mm-hmm. it's not really going to have the same effect as someone from the outside coming in sure. and talking about it. So some schools are more receptive than others, but I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, as far as you mentioned some of the statistics and things like that, I'm assuming that was part of what drove you to want to do this is that there there is a problem. Yes. And I didn't, on a personal level, it was a problem in high mm-hmm. school. Um, I am a teen dating violence survivor myself. So just kind of happening upon that part-time position ended up kind of being fate because then I fell in love with what branches was and what we do and fell in love with this position going into high schools and I developed such a passion for it and I think that really helps Mm -hmm. drive that impact um, onto the students and kind of help them and the teachers and just kind of help them understand just how serious it can be and that's why I will go and talk until I'm blue in the face and yeah talk to every school I can (laughs) because I like you said I didn't have that talk either and I feel like if I would have if I would have had that outside person come talk to my class or just say give me a pamphlet and say hey this is what dating violence is the light bulb would have went off a lot faster so now that's what I want I want to go in and yeah give that kind of education to students I know, yeah, I know for me, in my school at least, we don't have anyone talking about stuff like that. I mean, we don't have teachers telling us about those dangers, and I feel like there's even kind of an attitude around maybe even all people my age that that's a problem that maybe centers on adults, like when you're married or when you're in an adult relationship, when you're living on your own, not when you're a teenager and not when you're dating in high school or middle school, and I don't think that there's as much talking about it because people don't perceive it as a problem but I mean it definitely is right even if it doesn't affect you yes um in middle school and high school you're just starting to date so Mm -hmm. you don't know how to quote unquote date properly you don't know what to look for you don't know what not to look for so it's not even a category in your brain yet it's not even a section in your brain yet to even think hey there could be a problem with right. this mm-hmm. because you don't know what good and bad is in relationships you could right. think that something unhealthy is totally normal and, and I feel like and I don't know Taylor if you would echo this sentiment but when I was growing up and anytime we would even have a conversation about the concept of an unhealthy teen relationship whatever whatever that was what whatever reason it was unhealthy it wasn't very common but if you did it was usually couched in this kind of especially as a as a woman who was dating men well boys are like that so exactly Mm -hmm. so you've got to learn how to protect yourself and lower your expectations and it's like the impetus was on me to recognize that any any boy I dated was a potential threat and I have to learn how to you know, it was all on me. Like, mm-hmm. basically, you figure out how to deal with it because they're going to do whatever they're going to do and we can't stop them. We're not going to tell them not to. So figure yeah. it out. Right. And anything that went wrong, like, it's kind of your fault in the first place because, well, you know, you were running around with boys and that's what happens. Like, mm-hmm. exactly. You're already doing something wrong. So if bad things happen, well, that's on you. Yeah. Why, why were you dressed like that? Or why were you alone with them? Or, mm-hmm. you know, why... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it got to the point where, you know, it was like, well, why were you being difficult or why were you, you know, I mean, it wasn't to that level, but it was definitely, it was my fault mm-hmm. in some way if something went wrong. Why were you dating when you should have been focus- focusing on school? Right. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't know. Does that still, is that still a problem? Do you still? Um, there's definitely still some level of victim blaming that happens mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and I think the more we educate, the more, cause even in the media now you're seeing, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't be putting this dress code only on the girls to not wear leggings or not wear shorts or tank tops. Maybe we should be talking to boys on how to respect women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think this is especially relevant now when I mean, the the conversation nationwide is instead of how I mean that's what that's what we really need to be talking about. Why do we have all of these men that we're suddenly aware, although maybe we've been aware for a long time, just not acknowledging it, have been doing these egregious things, like instead of asking, well, are these women being truthful? Which seems to be the big question. Right. Who's telling the truth and can we corroborate their stories and how much should we care about them as opposed to why why is this so widespread? Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? What are we doing to young boys that they're they're thinking this? You yeah. know, I don't know. That's where's that roadblock happening? Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, a lot of what we talk about usually is about differences between when Sydney and Taylor were younger and now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's probably a difference in how dating can become unsafe for teenagers, teenagers especially. I would say with social media and technology and stuff like that for sure how does that like contribute like what dangers are there in using social media and relationships or online meeting someone and stuff like that honestly it's kind of terrifying <laughs> um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've gone to a lot of trainings and i'm still going to trainings where i'm even learning of different apps and softwares that exist and it just blows my mind <clears throat> um snapchat as the biggest one um People think that, oh, it goes away after 10 seconds, but there are apps that are connected to Snapchat that will help them not tell the person that they've screenshot a photo um, and mm. different things like that. There's the random chat websites where you can randomly talk to anybody in the world and there's no requirements. Like if you can operate a keyboard and a mouse, you can operate this website. Um, just texting gps tracking things there are um like at&t and verizon and all of the different providers they have things that they've created that were created to help parents keep their children safer it was created in a positive light mm -hmm. but now people are using those as tactics to control a partner um there are software that can monitor text, that can shut off someone's phone that's also in that plan, that can show them on a map where they are at that moment. And there are just these different programs that were supposed to be to help keep people safe, and it's being used in exactly the opposite way. That is terrifying because I think I know – I, I grew up in the early days of the internet, of AOL chat rooms and that <laughs> kind of thing. And I remember my first encounter with, because we, that's what my friends and I would do. They would come over to my house, we would sit in front of the computer, and we would get in chat rooms together. And we would talk with people in chat rooms. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't one-on-one, -on -one, but it was in big groups. But that could turn into a one-on-one -on -one conversation very easily. And I remember 
talking with somebody that I thought was a guy my age through, I mean, it may have been Prodigy even. I don't know. It was a very long time ago. (laughs) I know I'm dropping that. It was a really long time ago. And talking with somebody and then after weeks of us talking about books we liked and music we liked and pretty harmless, like normal teen back and forth stuff, uh, him asking asking for pictures Mm -hmm. and me at least knowing enough at the time even though again like the internet was still this wild untamed you know thing for most of us to tell my mom hey I don't think this is a good idea right like I should not (laughs) like I'm not gonna send (laughs) like this is not normal I'm not gonna send this guy pictures of myself and then him going they devolve from there don't you want to meet in person and then finally listen i'm tired of messing around with this is this going to happen or not and like i don't know who this person to this day who knows who i was talking to you can be anyone you want in a chat room exactly and and thank goodness i had at least the the good sense to go to my mom and say hey something's wrong right (laughs) i think i think and mom shut it down and dad got involved and it was all (laughs) over thank goodness i i was lucky that was the end of it but um, I, at the time, there was no way for this person to find me. Well, but I mean, I guess they probably could have, but... That's the crazy thing. I, I have watched a little bit of that show, Catfish, and, you know, a big mm-hmm. part of that show is they find these people that exist in these, you know, whatever, like, chat situations or just through, like, a, a number. Like, they do end up always finding these people. That's It seems like it's a fairly easy thing to do, to locate somebody via a Facebook profile or a telephone number or an email address. Right. That's a really good point. I've never yeah. thought about, I wonder if that show is educating people on how to find others. I mean, <laughs> I, I see. <laughs> a lot of, I, well, I just got really scared all of a sudden. It's like, don't show, you know, like don't show that on TV. <laughs> we don't want people to know how they can use like a chat name to figure out how to find you well they do that they look up their like profiles and they contact friends and it's you know it's for them they're doing it to get to the source of truth but those same tactics could be used in reverse and it's so easy to get caught up in the mess of privacy settings Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you like sit there and weed through every single setting it's very easy to accidentally have your phone number shown or your email shown um the terms and conditions get updated so often yeah. that who actually reads those? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Normally you just scroll through, hit I agree, and move on. And that's what caught a lot of people up. Snapchat just created the map that you can put yourself on on Snapchat. And if you didn't go in after they created it and turn off that feature, you were put on the map. And that was something that we really had to focus on with our clients and um, mm-hmm. things like that so that their um, abusers wouldn't find them that way. Do you see that? Because my thought would be that for teens, they would be becoming savvier as they grow up with the technology. Like for me, it's all, I'm learning it backwards. I have to go back <laughs> and, and I like Riley explains Snapchat to me on a weekly basis. So... <laughs> I, I feel like for me, I have to go back and kind of relearn this stuff. I'm just past that curve. For t- Are they getting savvier for this stuff or is it still catching them by surprise? Um, I think, sl- like, I mean, you have 
infants now that are learning how to operate a tablet before they can walk. So it's it's getting to that point where it's, it's just <laughs> becoming second nature. But I think the older teens now are still like it'll take an extra second, but they're still catching on very, very quickly because a lot of things are similar in how they mm-hmm. operate. It could be a completely different app or a completely different program, but it operates similarly enough to others that they catch on it pretty quickly. Now, Sid, when you were telling that story, something you said caught me off guard. I was like, whoa, I wouldn't do that. But you're talking about you immediately told mom and dad. Yeah, that's very rare. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like now, is that true, Rochelle? Like, kids don't tell their parents when these things happen. Like, they just either delete the app, they delete the person, they block them. They might. um, But a lot of times what you see is those people that are asking these teens and kids for that kind of information, they're preying on a certain type of kid they're not going to go and just randomly ask everybody they're going to sit there and talk for a little bit and mm-hmm. and find out that they don't have the greatest relationship with their parents mm-hmm. that they are having a tough time in school that they do have self-esteem issues and they're going to sit there and build that up and say no you're an independent teenager you're 16 you you don't need your parents let's just meet up and hang out mm-hmm. and so they they prey on that already kind of knocked down attitude sure maybe i was just a bad choice (laughs) i was i was also i was very shy and i was a nerd and i told mom everything and it that was not unusual for me to go tell her intimate details Mm -hmm. about my life i mean i did when i had actual relationships so you know i was probably just a poor choice from that (laughs) (laughs) from that side because i would go in like aol chat rooms like like Role playing chat rooms in like the nerdy sense, like you get in there and play like you know like D and D basically. Yeah. And getting like private message by people that would clearly want to have a, a the other kind of role playing conversation. And <laughs> I was I was too squicked out by anything sexual at that age anyway to even like respond. But I would never have told mom. <laughs> yeah, I mean even like video games now they have the little chat boxes on the side that. You can play as a group of people and chat in real time with the other players. They they do it there too. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's and I will say, when I was doing this, I always felt a little in over my head just on the internet in chat rooms. Like I only sort of understood how it all worked. I that's obviously not true anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, teens today are not feeling like if you're in that setting, you don't feel like you need parental supervision. You're not you're not thinking like, I shouldn't be doing this. That's what you do. You're in these kinds of, you know, internet anonymous conversations. Like you can be in those anytime. That's mm-hmm. commonplace. When we started doing this, this was very that idea was very unique. Yeah. That's why we that's all we did. I mean, it's like as soon as it was like an available, we would just get together on weekend nights and sit and like, can you believe this? You can just talk with people all right. over the country. It's amazing. <laughs> They're all right here. <laughs> hey, we're breaking in and taking a, taking a quick break. From, from the future. From the future. From this very interesting topic to tell you about the group message this week. We got a, we got a couple sponsors to tell you about. Yeah, so first up, uh, Still Buffering is supported in part by Simple Contacts. They're a super convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your contacts. Now, I have tried uh, Simple Contacts myself. I went through the whole process. And here's here's what you need to know. Here are the great things about it. First of all, you never have to leave home to get your prescription renewed Love or to that. order more contacts. Yes. Don't that like is, leaving home. No. So for those of you like me who don't want to leave your house, 
No more doctor's offices, no more waiting rooms. You can get a whole exam and everything checked out at home and it's only 30 bucks. Um, and expiring HSA dollars can be used by the end of the year. Now, here's, here's how easy it is. You take the exam on your phone. Very easy to follow instructions. Uh, it tells you everything to do. And once you've gone through, um, you tell them like what your previous contact prescriptions were and that kind of thing. And, and they've done your eye exam. They'll send it to a doctor. And they like, they're really good at keeping in contact with you. They text you and they send you messages and they email you. It's very easy to stay in contact with the representative to know that like it worked. The process is in, in place. It, you know, it's good. You're going to get your contacts. Uh, they, they will send it off to their, one of their eye doctors. And honestly, I think I got my results back and everything within 24 hours. Nice. And at that point, they let me know that my contacts were on my way, were on their way. I got my contacts a couple days later, and they're perfect, and they're exactly what I needed, and they were delivered to my door, and I never had to leave the house. So, it is a wonderful service, and if you want to check it out, you can get $30 off your contact lenses by going to simplecontacts.com slash stillbuffering and enter code stillbuffering at checkout. So please check it out. $30 off. Uh, simplecontacts.com slash stillbuffering and enter the promo code stillbuffering. Uh, but it is important to note this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. So this is a great way for you to renew your contacts and get a quick, easy exam just to get new contacts at home. But if you do need your regular eye checkup, uh, please, please still go do that. This yeah. does not replace that. But check it out. Simplecontacts.com slash still buffering. We have another sponsor to tell you about this week, everyone listening. Who is it? It's Texture. We've told you about Texture before, and Texture is an app that gives you unlimited access to over 200 premium magazines. Texture has leading titles like Time, The Atlantic, The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and right now you can try Texture for free. So you gotta, have, you got to find out who that time yeah. person of the year is going to be. We don't know who it's going to be yet. <laughs> we know who it's not going to be. <laughs> Just because he refused. But yeah. but you got you got to check out Texture to figure it out. They have teen titles that I like, like Seventeen, Teen Vogue. They have all sorts of titles. And you can have them anytime, anywhere on all of your devices. And all their back issues, too. So not just the current ones. Yeah. So if you want to start your free trial right now, where should you go? Uh, you should go to texture.com slash stillbuffering. And uh, podcast listeners will get Texture for just $9.99 a month. That's over 30% off their listed price. Uh, it's also, That's crazy. Yeah, and you know, you got Christmas just around the corner. You got the holidays. It's pretty good gift, I'd say. I'd say so. So check it out now. Go to texture.com slash stillbuffering to start your free trial today. That's texture.com slash stillbuffering. One more time. Texture.com slash stillbuffering. Woohoo. Now back to our show. Woo. Now, we've been talking a lot about, like, people you might not know, seeing people on the internet, like, technology and how it can lead you to people who might not be good for you, who you don't know in person. But I feel like that's part of what we're told, you know, like, don't make friends with people you don't know Stranger danger, don't talk to people you don't know. Sure. But I feel like a part of it that doesn't get talked about with teenagers as much is the other side of it, like your boyfriend, your girlfriend, like your friends, people you do know, the guy you like, the girl you like, like people you know in person 
that you want to have a relationship with or you do have a relationship with. And that you have that trust and built. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. That you know personally that you think this person would never do anything to me. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden that changes. I feel like we don't talk about that being teenagers. We don't talk about, like, abusive relationships in the sense that isn't necessarily, like, physical, but it's more, like, damaging to your mental health. It's damaging to your emotional state. Like, we don't think about that for teenagers. Which is already, as a teenager, it's already pretty fragile. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, is that, like, a problem? Like, Yes. um, Because if you think about it, a person that is abusive in relationships they don't walk up and say hey i'm rochelle i'm an abuser do you want to date yeah like it doesn't it doesn't start off that black and white (laughs) yeah if only it'd make life a lot easier but they start off super sweet and building that trust and wanting getting your family to like Mm -hmm. you that's a big deal they'll really really talk it up in front of your family and be super nice and then just slowly they'll start to introduce those little controlling behaviors like oh you don't need to text that person um why don't you hang out with me instead of going hang out with your friends Mm -hmm. um we don't see each other enough even though you just saw them yesterday um things like that and then that slowly becomes the norm those behaviors and you're already sucked so far into it that you don't even really realize you're there until you're there Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll get to the point where your friends will stop asking you to hang out because you've said no so many times because your partner either doesn't want you to or doesn't let you or whatever it may be. And then you're kind of just stuck and it's really hard to get out at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. How do you now when you go talk with whether it's middle schoolers or high schoolers, is that uh, that was one question I had. Where Where is the is the focus more on kind of warning signs things to look out for is it on like what like the practicality of like safe dating like you're going on a first date with somebody here are ways to protect yourself and keep yourself physically safe you know where kind of where do you start does it depend on the age maybe yeah my my talks with middle schoolers are definitely different than my talks with high schoolers um middle schoolers are even newer to dating um they're a lot more enthusiastic Mm -hmm. um High schoolers tend to already be set in their ways and not really want to listen to anybody. Sure. Um, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody looking at Riley um, like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And normally I just start out kind of explaining what an abusive relationship is and mm-hmm. going through all the different types of abuse. Because I know in movies and just in general, a lot of people obviously just go straight to thinking about physical abuse when there's so many more. There's financial, there's um, emotional violence, sexual violence, um, stalking, digital violence now, which Mm -hmm. we already kind of covered. And then kind of go into the, like, why I need to talk to kids about it. Mm -hmm. Why is it important? What can happen if this problem doesn't go away? Um, And then I kind of just give them, I guess, pointers, tips on how to recognize it, how to get out of that relationship once they find themselves in it. Mm -hmm. Um, What if a friend is in it? Because if your best friend's in an abusive relationship, you obviously want to help them, but it's not that simple. Um, There's a lot more to it than that. And I also try to connect it to things they've already seen in the media that they probably didn't even realize was an abusive behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my biggest example is the Joker and Harley Quinn. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> so many, yep. so many kids think it's such a great relationship and it's adorable and they're precious together, but it's one of the most abusive relationships ever created in fictional history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah I, I'm a longtime comic book fan and Harley Quinn's always been my favorite character from like when I was a teen and I felt the same way when I was much younger. Now that I've grown up and looked back, I'm like, oh, that was really disturbing. And yeah. I'm glad that they took her off in a very positive, like, personal direction in the newer comics. Because I totally agree with you. It makes me very sad for that character. <laughs> that's a, I think that's a really good point. Because there's so much stuff, I think, that is still portrayed in media as if... And I, we're talking a lot about, like, heterosexual male-female relationships. And I think that gets portrayed unfortunately more often than mm -hmm. other relationships that exist and obviously abuse can happen in any form um but i think you see a lot of this kind of traditional like male female relationship where the man is controlling but it's supposed to be a nice thing and romantic exactly and, yeah. like he, he grabs you and swoops you off your feet and that's a good thing <laughs> and you know and he he tells you what you need before you know you need it and that's a good thing because then he's really in touch with you he saved you exactly yeah. and i think that's still portrayed a lot like, you know yeah. as if that's that's the ideal relationship i mean that's like the whole fixation on 50 shades of gray kind of creeps <laughs> me out because BDS and M relationships can be very healthy and built on trust and, you know, very good things. But that's just portraying that kind of relationship in a horrible light. And also, it's just a horrible relationship in general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, when you're talking about, like, teenagers dating and teenage relationships, I, uh, the way I want to put this, I don't know if it makes sense or not. But, like, when you define a safe relationship and dating safely, is a relationship for teenagers safe? until it's not if that makes sense like are all relationships when you start like it's healthy it's good but then if the part one partner does something to hurt the other that's when it's considered unhealthy or are there ways you can be like safe in your relationship that it's not just like a relationship that it's not necessarily the best but it's not dangerous like are i don't know if that makes sense like are there things you can do in your relationship either you want your partner to reassure you of their intentions or things you can behaviors you can take on I guess going on dates and being in a relationship that make it safe yeah um I mean as long as it hasn't already hit that point of they have the super abusive behaviors going on um I mean open communication's the the best thing if if you're not comfortable with something if you don't like a certain way that they're doing something if you don't like that they're constantly asking who you're texting, then just talk to them about it. Just mm -hmm. kind of bring it up and say, hey, you've been doing this a lot lately. Is is there a reason you're, you're always asking why I'm talking or who I'm talking to? And kind of go from there. Um, but if it's already hit that abusive point to where you're a little too far in to be able to successfully communicate with them, mm -hmm. um, aside from just breaking off the relationship which can be very difficult and in all honesty that's the most dangerous time in an mm -hmm. abusive relationship is when the person's trying to leave and because abusive relationships are all about gaining power and control over another person and when that person's trying to leave the abuser's losing that control and they're going to do whatever they can to get it back and so if it's already hit that point unless you're trying to leave really 
what you can do is just safety plan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big part of what we do with our clients. And that's a big part of what I talk with kids about is just make a safety plan. And that can be anything as far as having an extra set of clothes somewhere in case you need to leave super fast or um we had one um instance where this woman would get an allowance for groceries and she would get maybe we'll say fifty dollars to buy groceries for the house every week and she would get it to about 48 or 49 dollars and every week she would just save that change and she knew she had to stay in that abusive relationship until she had enough money built up to comfortably leave and be on her own. And that was her safety plan. Mm-hmm. Um, another safety plan option is to um, sit down and have a conversation with a friend and say, hey, I'm not in the greatest relationship right now, but I'm not comfortable leaving yet. I'm, I don't feel safe enough to leave yet. Um, if I text you the letter Q, um, that means I need help getting out. Mm-hmm. That way, if the abuser looks at the phone, they could say something as simple as, oh, they just accidentally, it was a typo. They just sure. accidentally sent that. They don't really know that they're trying to leave. Mm. That's a really good point. I, um, Are there specific ways that you, other than these kinds of individualized safety plans, that you tell, like, rules to follow to get out of a, a relationship? Um, Honestly, it's it's really just case by case Mm -hmm. Uh, each relationship is different each abuser is different each victim is different and it just kind of depends on what the dangerousness is Um, obviously if you feel like your life's in danger then your best bet is to call 911 Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people are scared because they think well the police will come and they won't do anything but the other alternative is you might be seriously injured sure sure um so there isn't really a set kind of step one two and three Mm -hmm. Uh, it really just kind of depends on each individual relationship and i imagine that's even harder for teens for sure because even i mean just because if they manage to get out of a relationship the nature of the age you are there's still school that's what i was thinking like if i were to break up with my current boyfriend because of something like this like I'd still see him every single day and that's one of the things that I talk to kids about uh, with teens it is a little different there are like certain things that you can Mm -hmm. um, suggest they do in that meaning never break up in person um, if you can avoid it send a text put a note on their locker um, go to the middle of Walmart and break up with them if you have to do it in person Um, And then whenever you are broken up, tell everybody, shout it from the rooftops that you're not in a relationship with them anymore. Um, Sit down and talk with your teachers and say, hey, this is what was going on. This is why I broke up with them. And that way, if their locker's right outside your classroom, they might be able to help alleviate that stress of running into them every day. Mm -hmm. And I imagine... It's helpful in a lot of cases, maybe not every case, but if you can get parents involved. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes teens are reluctant to <laughs> to go that route. Yeah. But is that a big barrier? I would think it's so hard for me to think about this now. I have a three-year-old. And so. <laughs> You're not there yet. <laughs> no. And to, to imagine a day where Charlie doesn't want to tell me everything every second that she thinks it, no matter if it's a, you know, if I'm in the bathroom, it doesn't matter. She needs to tell me immediately. 
to imagine that there's a day where she's not going to tell me stuff is still it's hard for me to grasp but I know that day will come but is that is that part of it is to try to get teens to open up to their parents to get them involved is that possible is that even is that even one of the goals to their parents to anybody um I'll tell students find someone you're comfortable with talking to I don't care if it's your parent your teacher the kids sitting next to you, your bus driver, lunch lady, just anyone you're comfortable with talking to, mm-hmm. just have that conversation and say, hey, this is what's going on. Is there any way that you could help me through it? Sure. Um, okay. In my personal instance, I know I didn't talk to my guidance counselors. I didn't talk to my mom. Um, I talked to the guidance counselor secretary. <laughs> She's who helped me. So it all just depends on who each individual person's comfortable with mm-hmm. that's a good point yeah that's really interesting that you say never break up in person because when i think about breaking up with someone it's like especially if it's a long relationship it's like you feel like obligated yep. to in person yeah like you feel almost like not I mean, you feel bad if you do it over text or if you call them or if you just like find some other way to do it but that makes sense that you say don't in person because then if it's an abusive relationship, they get angry and then they're in a position where they can take that out on you. But I wouldn't have even thought about that. That's just. Yeah, there's one example that I used during my presentations. Uh, it was at a college up in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Um, this 19 year old girl was dating a 23 year old boy and they were great. It was perfect. And then he started to get a little controlling and a little more controlling and a little more controlling. And Mm -hmm. she kind of picked up on it a lot quicker. And she went to his house to break up with him. And it was just the two of them there. And he ended up murdering her. (laughs) And it was, it was so quick how much it escalated and how quickly it escalated. And it's just astonishing how it can go from zero to 60 um, when you were trying and that's why I said it's that's the most dangerous time because they're losing that control mm-hmm. yeah that makes total sense and then that is that is I can understand that because I think we've all kind of gotten this idea not about safe dating but about like dating etiquette mm-hmm. that exactly like Riley said like well you're supposed yeah. to break up in person yeah. you should never send a text or call somebody and said yeah that's a really good point and if you broke up with them in a text, you have their response in writing. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you have proof of their response now. That's a good point. <laughs> that's true because that's what a lot of what I think we're, we're envisioning as I'm talking. I know I'm thinking a lot about physical abuse, but I think that's a good point too because otherwise you kind of get into like a gaslighting situation, which is, you know, a form of emotional mm-hmm. abuse where you've broken up with somebody and they're not accepting of that. So they just ignore that and continue to move on as if, and kind of make you out to be the crazy one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not just to outward, not just to your friends, but to make you feel Mm -hmm. like internally make you feel like you're going insane. Yeah. Which is, which is I think more insidious and probably happens more than even victims of that kind of abuse recognize it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you get, I would think, it would when you give some of these talks you might have like teenagers or you know kids approaching you afterwards to I mean is that something that happens where they're coming up to you and saying hey you're here can I talk to you about it sometimes um I haven't had any that say that have said hey I'm currently going through this Mm -hmm. yet I'm sure it will happen sure um in which case I would um just kind of 
sit down with them and try and work out what they should do, who they should go to. And obviously there are certain policies and laws that I would have to follow because they're a minor. Right. But I have had a couple come to me and say that they've dealt with it in the past. And mm-hmm. um, some have said that they didn't even realize until some of the things I was giving examples of or um, just tell me how awful it was and how hard it was to get out. But now they are out or um, maybe they'll th- I've had a couple come up and tell me that their parents aren't in the greatest relationship or their brother or sister or whoever. That's really powerful sometimes to hear somebody's like actual story and like to bring it. I, I just I think there must be a lot of people who feel isolated and alone and not aware of what's going on. So that's really that's great. Mm-hmm. It's really like enlightening for me almost to hear all of this about how people can become abusive without you even seeing it. Because, I mean, like we've been saying, you hear about physical abuse. That's more obvious because there's like physical representation of the abuse. But the emotional abuse and the controlling and stuff like that, I mean, I've been in one relationship ever, so if stuff like this happened to me, I wouldn't know whether, as someone progressively becomes more emotionally abusive or controlling or attached, do, I mean, I wouldn't know if it was something to look out for. I wouldn't know if it was bad. I would think, well, maybe this is just what happens. Maybe, you know, they're clingy. Maybe they're, like, attached to me. Maybe this is just what happens when, like, someone loves you. Like, Mm -hmm. they become this attached to you. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, it's it's important for me to hear because, not for me personally, but for friends who I see with, you know, boyfriends who are controlling over them or they themselves are controlling over their partners. Like, you don't think about that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. you're just starting dating when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like you said, that that's, that's kind of where you learn how and the patterns you develop early on. I mean, I would assume a lot of us kind of continue them. You know, we learn and grow to some extent. But if you get into a very long-term relationship early, which happens, I mean, I, you know, I'm married to the guy that I dated <laughs> for a while, at least when I was in middle school. <laughs> So, I mean, sometimes that happens where you get into a relationship that lasts a long time or you get into a pattern and it's all you know. And by the time, even if you get out of that relationship, you've kind of built a structure into your head of this is how relationships work. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's it's very hard to break that cycle. Um, A lot of times you see people going from abusive relationship to abusive relationship because they've had that sense of self kind of just stripped from them and they don't really know how to be independent they don't know how not to depend on another person so they tend to gravitate towards another abusive partner Mm -hmm. and on the flip side abusive partners tend to be able to weed out people who will be easy to control Hmm. do you also focus on kind of like let's say you know teens you're that you're going on a first date with somebody that you don't know very well you know you met them through a friend or something like they go to a different high school so you don't know them quite as well do you give them like practical like here do's and don'ts if you're going Um, on a date for the first time with somebody sometimes um i do tell people to just always have your phone fully charged and on you Mm -hmm. um try and tell people where you're going Mm -hmm. how long you'll be there when you should be home how you're getting there basically just lay out the entire plan of what you're doing Mm -hmm. 
is it best to try to encourage teens to start with like group dates or mm -hmm. whatever you guys call them the group, group hangs, hangs. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, on a personal level i think that's a better idea because i mean if you're a, a teenager you don't really need to be getting super serious so fast so mm -hmm. just get to know people um like you said sometimes it does work out to where you end up in a lifelong relationship with whoever you're with in middle school or high school but most cases that's not how it goes sure so you might be with them for a little bit but there are seven billion people on this planet <laughs> um, you're you're gonna find another one eventually um so just get to know people don't worry about dating so much yeah that's a really good point <laughs> Do you think, Riley, do you feel like a lot of your friends have that kind of, I don't know, Taylor, I know you weren't like this when we were younger, where you were like relationship driven, like I got to no. find a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Tuxedo mask I was my I, boyfriend, I was taken care of. <laughs> I know that wasn't you. I, I think I was a little more so like, it just seemed like what I was supposed to do. Yeah, like I was, <laughs> and I, I liked dating I like guys a lot so <laughs> but so I dated a lot because I really enjoyed it and and I liked being in relationships it do you think that's like a motivating factor for a lot of your friends because when I look back now I think as an adult like why as a teenager did I want to be in a relationship so much like what I was a kid like I go out on dates because it's fun but then be single be free live your life mm -hmm. like I think that now mm -hmm. but obviously when I was 16 I did not feel that way yeah I mean, I have a friend who, the whole time I've known her over the past four and a half years, has never been single, maybe for like a week or two weeks, but she'll be in a relationship, and then she'll get out, and she'll immediately be in a new relationship, and I mean, she's been in one for two and a half years, mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, that's not the case. There just seems to be such a pressure on teenagers no. to be in a relationship, like, I, I don't know if it's social media, I don't know if it's movies tv music like i don't know like it just seems to always be a pressure like you're doing something wrong if you're not with someone yeah, and that that doesn't stop when you stop being a teenager that's a lifelong thing <laughs> I, I think so. when you're gonna get married yeah. when you're gonna settle down <laughs> so that, i think it, especially though with teens you're so desperate to just be normal like all you want to do is be normal and that's so tied to normalcy is like be in a relationship that's a normal thing to do I, mm -hmm. looking back, I feel very lucky that I just never tried to do that, and I think that's continued mm -hmm. on in my life. And I've always had a weird sympathy for people that do feel the need, just out of the social pressure, not out of personal need. That's fine, but just for the social pressure aspect, like that's sure. You know. it, it it's very true though. We I feel like we start that pressure early. Like, couple up, go ahead. Yeah. It's time now. Yeah. I mean, I have friends who are currently pregnant, and they're saying, "Oh." baby's gonna get together are they gonna are they gonna date like, you guys haven't even had your kids yet <laughs> i know i and and once you and i, I think it changes too because once you have your kid like now i look at charlie and go you don't ever need a date you, you, you can just live with mommy and daddy forever <laughs> it's fine <laughs> we're fine with it well you have to have a job but you can live here <laughs> yep i feel like part of it is just like the isolated atmosphere of high school because like i mean especially growing up where we live it's like you're going to school with the same people you've known since you were five years old starting kindergarten like i'm yeah. in my senior year of high school with people who i've known since i was four or five years old 
and you grow up with these people and as you get older and as like everyone changes and grows up and then starts experiencing like oh i want to date someone i want to kiss someone i want to <laughs> go out with someone it's like you immediately follow like yeah i want to do that too yeah i want to do that too and then you see all your friends doing it and you're like oh i need to do that mm-hmm. and i feel like that can almost contribute to teenagers getting in relationships that aren't necessarily good for them because you feel a need to be in one that once you do get in one even if you see it as this is changing me this is like damaging for me this is making me like emotionally mentally physically unhealthy you stay in it because it's like well this is what you're supposed to do you're in a relationship as a teenager and i'm not going to end it because what if no one else wants to be with me right i think that's true the fear of then what if i'm alone and what will they say what will they say to our friends especially if you're all part of the same friend group that's a whole other thing right who gets the friends Mm -hmm. who do they believe yeah that's hard what what other um major points have we have we missed have we not talked about that you feel like are important for this that you make sure to tell teens when you talk to them um or have we maybe we covered (laughs) (laughs) we don't really use it that much anymore but there is what's called the cycle of abuse Mm -hmm. um because it's not just 24 7 abusive behavior um so we call it the cycle of abuse because it's a it's like in a diagram of a nice little circle, but it doesn't always work in that nice little circle. It can bounce around. But there tend to be three different stages of an abusive kind of relationship in the sequence it follows. Um, there's what's called the honeymoon stage where everything's nice and calm and mm-hmm. they're apologizing and saying it'll never happen again, um, which is usually a lie. And then it'll go to the tension stage where they start to argue. There's that it's just a tense atmosphere and they might start to throw insults in again and just the abusive behavior starts again. And then what we call the explosion explosion stage where the full on abuse will happen, whether it be physical or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then they'll start to say sorry again and sure. it'll never happen again. Okay. So, again, it's not just 24-7 abuse. Um, They ebb and flow Mm -hmm. very well. Um, Which is part of why it's probably so difficult to leave. Exactly. Uh, And what a lot of people don't realize is how difficult it is to leave. And there's that famous question of why didn't you leave? Mm -hmm. Why did you stay? Sure. And it gets so complicated so quickly um, because, like I said, that abusive behavior doesn't start right away. They are very sweet. They are very romantic and loving and kind. And people tend to remember those times. And kind of going along with that gaslighting, if they say, well, maybe if I would have just, you know, not texted that person, then this wouldn't have happened and everything would be sunshine and rainbows like it like mm-hmm. it was sure or well they said they'd never do it again um and things like that so they remember those good times um outside of teens in just any abusive relationship there are so many other factors like if kids are involved um sure if they have control over the money they might not be able to leave right away and on average, it takes about seven to nine times for someone to leave an abusive relationship for good. Wow. Um, so they'll they'll leave their abusive partner and go back about seven to nine times before they finally say, no, I'm done. Um, for all of those reasons. Yeah. Gosh. 
Oh. I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's as hard as, that's about how hard it is to quit smoking. Yeah. That's <laughs> like a reference point. That's about how, how many times people quit on average before mm-hmm. they quit. So, which puts it on par with like an addiction kind of. Mm-hmm. Gosh. And I would think you mentioned kids. I was thinking about that as a thinking, like as an adult with children, that would add a whole new spin emotionally and practically, obviously the logistics of that, but the emotional toll of leaving your part, your partner, if your partner is the parent of your child, that's a whole other. And uprooting your child from their school, from mm-hmm. their routine um, and things like that. Um, yeah. And you'd want to convince, I can see uh, like wanting to overlook things or like right. not, not acknowledge things because that's the that's my child's father or mother or whatever and you don't Mm want to you don't want to admit that or see that for yourself that would be very hard yeah especially in the area that we're in so many people i've noticed have this thought process well if i take my child and i leave this relationship then my my child's going to get taken away um Mm -hmm. because Sometimes what they'll do is the abuser will say, well, they took my child from me. They kidnapped my child and and ran with them. And like I said, abusers are so good at controlling their behavior. Um, You hear so many times, well, they just need anger management. Mm. That's the last thing they need. They know how to manage their anger pretty perfectly. Mm. Um, And so they know how to play to certain people. And so a lot of people are afraid to just up and take their kid. Sure. That's a really interesting point. I've heard that so many times. And now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. Like, well, they just need, it's an impulse control problem. I've, I've heard it kind of pinned yeah. on that so many times. And that's a really good point. No, they know very well because it's, it's manipulative mm-hmm. behavior. They're really able to control themselves in public. But as soon as they're behind closed doors is mm-hmm. when they're good to go. Yeah. Anything else, any, anything else we've missed that you want to make sure people who are listening, who are, who are learning? Um, we touched on it a little bit, but just parents, um, just educating yourselves as much as possible. I mean, statistics are hit or miss, but this one kind of really stands out. Um, 81% of parents believe that dating violence isn't an issue with teens. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> 81. <laughs> And then 58% of parents can't really identify abusive behaviors outside of physical abuse. Gosh. That's crazy. So that's one of the biggest things we need to make sure parents know is this is an issue. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, if they want to, I guess uh, locally we have you (laughs) we have a resource (laughs) where is there a place we should direct parents are there places Um, that they can go to learn about everybody teens parents everybody right um well february um is dating violence awareness month Mm -hmm. so we have october which is regular domestic violence awareness month Mm -hmm. and we do so much during that month but february is where we can really focus on teen dating violence and raising awareness for that Mm -hmm. and a lot of my information that i pull from my presentations comes from a website um that's Mm loveisrespect.org they have so many great downloadable resources they have a peer chat where you can chat mm-hmm. online with someone and kind of get advice or help or anything like that um there's so many others which i can get to you guys if you have a 
sure. way to upload them or anything like that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. It's a good it's a good to have a place to kind of direct people. Mm-hmm. I oh, I think about this too in my day job as a family doctor. These are these would be very helpful for me <laughs> as well. Yeah. Although the other the other great resource that I know we have many pamphlets for is branches. Mm-hmm. And if there are people listening who I mean some of our listeners are local, but branches yeah, branches is a wonderful organization if people need feel they need to contact branches or reach out to you all what what's a good way for them to do that um we have our we have a 24-hour hotline Mm -hmm. um we have a facebook page we sometimes get messages through that um our 24-hour hotline is the best way to get to us though Mm -hmm. and um i can give you all that numbers on our pamphlets as well okay um and there's a national hotline um sort of low I mean it people can call us and if they're not in our area mm-hmm. we can easily get them a phone number to anywhere that that's good would to know. be local yeah. to them sure um, and we might even be able to assist in getting them connected with that w- with that other agency so um just any kind of questions or if they need help themselves or even if they know somebody that needs help just call us there's always someone there we're staffed 24 mm-hmm. 7 there's always somebody there to answer the phones and ask questions so or if you know if you work in a middle school or a high school mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, and you haven't had a program like this yet this sounds like a wonderful thing to reach out and and let rochelle educate yeah. you and the kids and the teachers and probably the entire staff <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's really the thing that this has struck me it's like this should be in every school like standard this should be taught and at a younger age because you could mm-hmm. probably stop a lot of bad relationships before they ever happen and maybe even dissuade people that could become abusers if this information is given to them at a young enough age right and some states have started that some states have passed a law where um this sort of curriculum is required mm-hmm. in schools um We're trying to work on getting that for West Virginia. I know the National Coalition has released a free curriculum, but schools aren't required um, Mm -hmm. to utilize it. It's available if they want to, but it's not required. That's excellent, though. That's definitely a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Well, any other questions you two had for Rochelle before? Got all my questions. (laughs) Thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for yeah. I echo Taylor. Thank you for doing it for the (laughs) for the you know the first part, and then thank you for coming and sharing this with us and and our listeners for our listeners and for me. I mean, I've never had a talk like this or anything. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) and you got a one on one. Got a one on one. So you're an expert now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good. Well, thank you again. Thank you. you any, hey, you're always welcome here on our show anytime. <laughs> uh, th- oh, I've got other people to thank. Thank uh-huh. you to our listeners. <laughs> I almost forgot the things I say. <laughs> thank you to MaximumFun.org for hosting our show. You go to MaximumFun.org for a lot of other wonderful podcasts. You can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org. If you have questions, thoughts, comments, suggestions, and uh, thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am a teenager. And I was too.
everybody. I'm your oldest brother, Justin McElroy. I'm your middlest brother, Travis McElroy. And I'm your sweet baby brother, Griffin McElroy. Me and 3,000 of your closest friends just found your next podcast obsession. Cereal! Okay, but like, the second best podcast. 99% Oh, f***. Just listen to my brother, my brother, and me on MaximumFun.org. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.